Hello, hello. I am Karen Jean-François, and this is the Women in Data podcast, a podcast where every other week I interview some of the most inspiring women working in data. They discuss how data is used in various industries, share their knowledge and experience in the field, and equip you with tips to help you overcome challenges on your career and feel great. Let's get straight to it. Hello, this is a very special episode because we are celebrating the two-year anniversary of the podcast. And it's been an amazing journey so far. I still can't believe my luck really speaking with so many amazing women and learning from them. I have to say a massive thank you to Alex Smith, Asia Cullen, Cecilia Oliveira, Hayley Alcock, Jessica Jean-Francois and Lara Harris who are my dream team this year and work really hard in the background to get the episodes out. But wait, that's not all. This week, our guest is also celebrating her birthday, so don't hesitate to reach out and wish her a happy birthday. All right, off to the episode. I am joined today by Susan Walsh, the classification guru. When organizations shifted to in-house data analytics and became more aware of the challenges related to data quality, Susan saw an opportunity to start a business in the field. As you can imagine, this wasn't an easy path, and in this episode, you will hear about how being authentic and visible helps Susan grow her business, along with how it impacts the upcoming generations of data professionals. Through Susan's story, you will find tips to increase your visibility, as well as to keep your content authentic despite the fear of judgment and negative experience. Hi, Susan. Welcome on the Women in Data podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you with me today. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I, honestly, this is like goal ticking exercise for me to come on here. Life, Another life ambition achieved. Very exciting. Aww. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I feel like we've been talking about, I reached out to you forever ago and yeah. then you replied and then I completely ignored your message. No, I, don't I know think what... life, life just happened. And then I was scrolling through my LinkedIn and I was like, oh, but Susan did reply to my message. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when it's like you open the message, you think I'm going to reply later and then you forget about it. Definitely oh. what happened. All the time, I found stuff. I scrolled back and found things from like October that I hadn't replied to. And I'm thinking, <laughs> it's a bit late now. So sorry, anybody. Well, reply anyways, because here we are having yeah. this chat that we wanted to have. And I am super excited about it. We have a strong focus today on, you know, standing up for yourself and putting yourself out there. So increasing your visibility. Yeah in in the to the world so in the field and everything but before we get into that could you introduce yourself so i i'm not entirely sure you need to introduce yourself because every time i go somewhere i see you so i feel like <laughs> we should all know who you are but could i just invite you to to give a brief yeah absolutely and, and actually um name dropping a little bit we're well, not name dropping but i was at the the data iq 100 reveal last night and i'm very excited to say i'm on the list yeah, uh, I know. Um, and I had met some people there that we weren't connected on LinkedIn, but they were like, "Yes, I've heard of you." 
And I'm like, wow, I'm in a room with all these amazing data people and they've heard of me. This is so cool. I still, I guess I'm still in startup mode. And, and that's kind of where I came from. So this is not my first business. Um, I am the classification guru. But before I was the classification guru, I was a salesperson. I was a national account person. I got bored of that. I decided to open a women's clothes shop in Guildford, where I live, um, which was so expensive. And when that failed, I had to then go bankrupt, but I couldn't afford to go bankrupt because it you have to pay to go bankrupt. It's about £600. So I had to save up to go bankrupt and I had to do that by getting a job. And I just needed any job. And I found an ad online for a company that Spend Analytics, um, they happened to be based in Guildford, which was like one in a million chance. And they were looking for data classification work. Um, And I said, well, I haven't done it before, but I've worked in a lot of large blue chip companies. So I know what they're spending their money on. And I had worked in sales. I'd done a bit of forecasting and a bit of supply chain. So I kind of knew. Anyway, I started and I thought, you know, this is just a stopgap for me until I get a proper job and found pretty much instantly that I really enjoyed it. It was really, I found it really easy, um, quite therapeutic. And I was really fast at it as well. I was really efficient. So I ended up staying for nearly five years. I grew a team from basically nothing up to about 14 people who I managed and trained and got the projects out. And then it was time to move on. And because I hadn't done a degree in data science, I had, I wasn't a data analyst. I can't, I don't code. I, I, I couldn't really go and get a job doing the same thing because I didn't know what it was I was really doing. And the option was really either start a whole new career again from scratch or open another business, take a chance and see what happens. And so I did that. And immediately I got really good reaction, uh, positive feedback from people. Data cleansing is normally offered as part of another service for, by yeah. a company. Like if you buy our software, we'll clean your data. If you use our analytics service, we'll clean your data. There's not really anywhere out there that's just doing a standalone data cleaning, classification, normalization. So that was great. I was really excited. Um, and then I realized that actually this is a quite a reactive kind of service. You have to have a problem before you come to me. And it was taking a long time to get clients. Uh, you know, my first client was like 10 months it took, you know, from the, wow. when we first spoke to when I got the data. That must have been very stressful. Yeah, yeah. I actually was working part-time as well because I needed to supplement my income because I had been bankrupt before I didn't want to go down that road again so I wanted to make sure that I could you know still pay my bills and I realized that just offering a service that people wanted isn't enough you they have to know you're there they have to like you you have to be have a good reputation And so I started going about doing that. And, you know, I started messaging people on LinkedIn, building up my network a little bit. Then I found that it was really hard to explain what I do. And so I started making little video posts, picture posts, and and people really responded to those. And that really started to grow my network. And then I met more data and procurement people and grew my network a bit more, made more content. 
And it just kind of spiraled from there, you know, from like one post a week to now I do two to three posts a day sometimes. But I post I post every day almost. Um, But only if I want to. I don't I don't post for the sake of it. I only post if I have something to say. And most of the time I have loads to say so yeah (laughs) that's what we were talking about just before we we hit record is the fact that you're so good at posting um on social media and I'm the opposite but everywhere I look they say oh you need to have a pipeline of of posts and all these things and no 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 really stressful yeah no I have ideas in my head but I don't hold myself to them you know if I had you know I might think oh tomorrow uh so it's tomorrow Saturday so I might think about doing a post tomorrow but and actually I was thinking about maybe doing a post around that you know a lot of good stuff has happened this week to me mm. um the the data IQ 100 I was listed as a top 50 unstoppable woman and I was featured in the LinkedIn creator newsletter so I've had the best week Oh my life in terms yeah, of I, I feel like high fiving you right now, but if I do that, the laptop is not going to like me. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there is so much hard times behind that. You know, literally two years ago, I was at the point of having to get a job and close the business. It was that close to 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 ending. And then it changed in one day when five people called me and said, we need your help, five different companies. But, you know, the year before that, I'd had maybe six months of that year without any work. It was so tough. And so I really, I kind of, I guess the thing about me is I want to share the whole journey and I don't want people to look at me and think, oh, look, she's doing so well and she's got it so easy and it's not always been like this, you know, it's, it's, and it's times like this now that I really appreciate the, the, these things that I've worked hard for because there were so many times when nobody knew who I was. Nobody wanted my business services. I couldn't pay my bills, you know, it was tough. And so I like to do balanced stuff and not just be like, oh, look how great I am on LinkedIn. Mm. You know, I like to to be honest about it. And and that's important because, you know, people need to see their reality. And there is something you talk a lot about is being authentic and we're going to talk about it in the moment. But that yeah. is definitely um, something that, that we need more of. Um, I just wanted to come back quickly to a, a few things you said earlier. So <laughs> you mentioned data cleansing being therapeutic and definitely that. I just wanted to point out that this is therapeutic for you, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> so well, this, is, this is why I have a business, because most people hate it. <laughs> but it, it's just good to see, you know, there is a space for everyone and every every different type yeah. of data work out there. So there are a lot of, I want to say, new people are joining the, the industry. And then yeah. everyone focuses on data science and wanting to build models. And I'm thinking this might not be what, what makes you flow it might be data cleansing for example so making sure that we know what we want to to get into is quite that's it there's so many different types experiment that's why I would say try different things like I can't do maths I hate numbers Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have a data science or analytics degree and yet I work in data and have a successful data business and I use some software that helps me data model and I've developed my own methodology 
um, to do all that. And, and I've created a niche for myself where it didn't exist. Basically through, through, cause I didn't have a choice. I needed, I wanted to do this, but didn't know where I could do a job doing this. So try things out and test the water. Try, go on some freelancer websites and offer your services and see if anyone wants them. And, um, but I can tell you now, there is way more work out there for data cleaning than just me and my team, you know? Yeah, so. I bet. Especially with how much data we, we have available and everybody's trying so to much. harness that. <laughs> but honestly, you know, I've had my business that, you know, nearly five years now. And I honestly thought that there would start to be a dip. And actually, because when I started, people were outsourcing their analytics and their dashboards, whereas they've taken that in-house now. So which yeah. means they've taken in the dashboards and the analytics, but nobody's doing the cleaning bit anymore. So actually there's more and more work because that side of it has been neglected. Yeah, that's uh, I never thought of that. So I did see the shifting from outsourcing to in-house, but I never thought of the impact on data cleaning. That's Because that's it's always been seen as menial, unimportant. And these comp, I think, I think it has. And, 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 are easy to do and these companies that offered it as part of a bigger service never really told anyone they were doing it they just did it and so nobody really understands the the scope of how big yeah. a challenge it could be and how important as well because who wants to be reporting or building models and incorrect data imagine the decisions that could be made on the wrong information <laughs> and have been yeah so you went from working in a company not knowing anything about data and being uh, I guess you were saying that you realized that you needed to be more visible in the in the field to be able to make your business work yeah and then now I swear Suzanne everywhere I look I see <laughs> every, every time I open the podcast I'm like oh here she is let me listen to it or I received an email from LinkedIn. So now this episode is going to be published in April, but we're in March now. So this yeah. week I received uh, an email from LinkedIn and there you were. And then date high queue last night, as you said. So I, I guess you're the best person to be talking about um, visibility and yeah. how important it is and how to put yourself out there and why to do it as well. Um, I, I can't think of a better person to, to have this conversation with. So thank you. What what I guess what I would like to know first is why is visibility so important to you? And to me because when I set this business up I had no connections in the procurement or data world so I had no potential clients I had no referrals which is where most new businesses get their clients from I didn't have that. I had to put myself out there to get noticed and I like to have fun what with what I'm doing I'm not a serious person well I am when I'm doing the work but I didn't want to tone down my humor and my sense of myself too much I wanted to just be me and I knew that in an industry which is it's changing but it was heavily male-dominated with a lot of introverted people there weren't many sparkly bubbly shouty people out there and so I knew that I could use that either good or bad to my advantage to get at least noticed you know in a sea of all these people I was out there doing something a little bit different 
and actually, you know, it has worked and I took a risk because it could have gone horribly wrong. But I, I really felt like I, I didn't have anything to lose. If I had done nothing, the business would have died. Yeah, and what you just said actually raises a very important point and we touch on authenticity, but you know, you said that you use the fact that you are you and you don't want to be someone else. So this is really important for other people out there, so the next generations to to see that they can be successful by being themselves. Yes. And I think the most important thing about any of this is you have to do what you're comfortable with. So if you are super introverted and you don't like LinkedIn that much, guess what? Don't go on that often. But when you do, just post things that really resonate with people. Mm. Yeah. So do you see also the visibility part as a, maybe a responsibility to the next generation? Or? I do feel like that now. Yeah. I, I, that's not why I started this, but I really genuinely do feel passionate about letting anybody who who's looking to to do a career who thinks they can't do it to say you can you touched a bit on you know introverts and people who are a bit shy and how they could use LinkedIn by not going every day but posting about something that's important to them is there any obstacle that you had when you were trying to be visible I guess you know you have to think initially about what do what should I post about and I, I did a lot of testing, you know, I did posts that did really well and some that were terrible. And then I focused on the ones that did do well. I would say, like, if you are introverted, you don't have to be all out and shouty and sparkly. Let your work speak for itself. Share a project you've done or lessons learned or tips, you know, that's that will get you just as noticed by the right people for a job or for clients or for whoever. By, by showing what you've done and how good your work is, you know, and that's, that's how we're here because you saw me talking somewhere else or yeah. if, if I wasn't talking about something that wasn't interesting or relevant, we would not be having this conversation and, and I would be wasting my time talking about this. That and definitely your energy. Uh, I love it. Yeah, although I have to tell you, I am flailing now. It's it's a Friday. It's nearly the weekend, and I'm I'm holding on by <laughs> my fingertips to the end of this day. Well, glad we're together. Yeah, it's a great it's a great way to end the day. Yeah, and so because you you are so authentic in your in your style, and then maybe I I know in the past I felt like you know to be recognized or to be successful, I had to to be so, not be someone else but he behave a bit differently and that's yeah. down to the fear of judgment yeah. now when you try to go and be go online and be more visible or even if it's not online even if it's in person or in your company how do you deal with that there have been many times that I've worked in companies where I haven't been able to be myself because I didn't it didn't fit with the company culture mm. and I think eventually I realized that that wasn't right for me. And that's probably why I opened the shop because I realized that I wasn't good in a, an employed, an employer employee relationship. You should never feel uncomfortable. If people are making you feel uncomfortable, then you're in the wrong place. You know, people, it should be, you know, wherever you're working, whatever you're doing, you know, even with my clients, you know, I don't want to work with clients that make me feel uncomfortable. I want a collaborative teamwork relationship where we both drive 
you know, the project forward and have some fun, you know, and it's not just as easy as jumping jobs or, but if you are really in, in a situation where you feel uncomfortable and you recognize that you have to do something about it, change departments, change companies, set up your own business, go freelance, whatever, but don't just sit and hope that it's going to get better because I can promise you it will not. And I remember you talking at some point about, I can't remember where I heard that. Maybe it was on your TED talk. You were talking about someone, you were meant to do a talk and then they cancelled you. Yeah, like two days before. Yeah, because you were being yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Can you talk a bit about that? Because I find that very interesting. And that's when it's really, when you have a good network of people around you who are honest with you, and that's when, you know, you can rely on them. So, yeah, basically, we were due to do a webinar on the Monday, and this was the Friday, and I got it. Sorry, um, can't support anyone that is not or doesn't represent the industry in a positive light, something like that. And right away, I'm like, rage and upset and anger and what have I done and then I started talking to people about it because I think if something like that happened to some people they would get really embarrassed and Mm. and not say anything and I think I've learned that actually the more you challenge that embarrassment or shame feeling and actually ask for help and advice the easier it becomes to keep asking for help because I'm not the best asking for help but I'm getting better. So, yeah, I asked people and they were like, no, no, this is not you and blah, blah, blah. And they were, you know, made me feel better. But, you know, I was like, you know, maybe maybe I shouldn't be talking about this and doing all this stuff. And, you know, I don't want it to harm my career. But it was one person out of all the other thousands of people that really enjoy what I do, you know. And I think... You know, there was a feeling of taking a bit back control of the situation where I felt, uh, yeah, I, I powerless and couldn't do anything about the situation and just had to accept that that was it. And actually, guess what? That was their loss, not mine. That's exactly what I was going to say, because look at you now. <laughs> yeah, look at me now. <laughs> I hope they're listening to that. <laughs> I know, like... We haven't even mentioned this yet. Between the spreadsheets, I wrote a book as well. I mean, I am literally, I I don't even think sometimes that this is my life. You know, like I said, two years ago, I was so close to giving everything up and so much has happened in two years. So, I mean, it really does show you that, you know, you just have to keep persevering, push through. If you like, if you really know in your heart of hearts, in your gut, that something is right, you have to keep going for as long as you can. I I love that. This is, uh, yeah, I love it. And so what's your book about? I love the title. Yeah. So again, it's trying to make some fun and excitement out of what can be a very dry topic. So it's called Between the Spreadsheets, Classifying and Fixing Dirty Data. And, you know, nowadays, everybody is using different tools. Some people are using Alteryx or Python, SQL, BI, Tableau, Click, you know, there's all these different tools. And yet nobody's getting trained at universities how to clean real data before they come out. People get into the job market and then they're just told to fix these things and and they just do the best they can. And actually there's 
you know, maybe a more efficient way to do it. So I kind of, I told you I'd, I, I use this software and I'd created my own methodology to classify and clean data. So I reverse engineered it into Excel, which is, you know, it, it's not as great as my software that I use, but it just makes it available to everybody. So you can pick this book up and you might already be an expert and you might pick up a couple of tips that you just hadn't thought about before. One of them that I know from somebody is um, when I normalize supplier names. So from something like IBM Inc., IBM Limited, i.b.m, I'll put it in a new column and call it IBM. I always put the whole column in uppercase because when you're scrolling, it's much easier to see when something is like a near duplicate or, you know, maybe there's an IBM and an IBM dot. It's easier to see those things when all the letters are the same size and, and the same style. So he got something out of that. And actually he posted about it the other day and got a whole, started a whole discussion around, there's a lot of people that use do all lowercase, but I find that, using lowercase, you still get a difference in the height of the letters, unlike uppercase. So I think uppercase is better. And obviously I'm right. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, of course. But, you know, even he got something out of it. And, and even if that makes his day or his work 1% better, then it's worth it. And, you know, somebody who's never done anything could pick up this book and do, do it. You know, I've got pictures and step-by-step guides through how to do it so you can see how it's supposed to look and yeah I just wanted to put something out there share my knowledge make it easily accessible and just get people to start thinking about cleaning their data you know I think I mean if you want to get an expert in it's going to be expensive but if you don't have the budget buy the book and just do what you can Mm. you know it doesn't have to be all or nothing you could do a little bit so yeah so that's that's my book Uh, So to close the episode, is there any, so we spoke about your book, Between the Spreadsheets, Uh, is there any resource that you use for your career personal development that you would like to share? So I have to be honest, I'm a terrible reader. I don't read books. I have the attention span of a goldfish. Um, It's amazing that I even managed to write one. I... I have tried courses in the past, but I really am more of a learn on the job. If I need to learn something, I'll get on Google, I'll get on YouTube. And I think it's really important to understand that we're all different. You know, some people need a really structured course or a book. I'm like flying by the seat of my pants. Um, just I'll just find something out when I need to do it. That's fine. Or, you know what, just throw yourself into the unknown and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I do have a friend who did that. Uh, I found it very brave. Yeah, I mean, I think if you want your own business particularly, you have to be good with the complete unexpected, lots of highs and lows, ups and downs, lots of unpredictability. You know, for example, at the start of this week, um, we're we're waiting on a new project to start. So my team was, was without any work. So I gave them a little bit of, of something to do for internally. And then out of the blue, a client dropped some work. And so they're working on that now. So, I mean, it changes like that all the time. So, yeah. Otherwise, if you like more structured routine, you know, you need to get paid the same amount every month, then you're definitely an employee kind of person. (laughs) Yeah. 
All right. Thank you so much, Suzanne, for joining me on the podcast. It was fun. I loved it. Yeah, I've loved our chat. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Women in Data podcast. We will be back in a couple of weeks with a new guest. Until then, if you have two minutes, it would be great if you could leave us a rating or a review as it helps not only to make the podcast more visible, but also to enhance the content. If you don't want to miss the next episode, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We are also on LinkedIn. And if you wish to, you can even register to the community for free. All you have to do is head to womenindata.co.uk. Have a great day.